The first step that I had to do was I had to take a really hard look at all the things I had created because I was a creator and I created a lot of things. And I really had to look at like, okay, am I really placing all of my focus on montography? What do I need to let go of? I had to let go of a lot of things. This is the What Works Podcast, and I'm your host, Tara McMullen. If you want to build a business that can stand the test of time, you need to figure out what works for you and your small company. That's why every week I talk with real small business owners about what's really working for them. I want to help you fill in all the details of how others do what they do so you can fill in the details that work for you. This week, I'm bringing back Beryl Young, the founder of Recapture Self and the creator of Momtography, to talk about how she's developed a licensing program for her signature work. Beryl is a creative coach who grants women permission to seek an identity beyond motherhood using creativity as a tool for living a more meaningful life. Whether a mom wants to start or grow a business, learn to use her camera to its full potential, write a book, or serve her local community, Beryl gifts women the confidence to pursue a path that fully fully lights her up and cultivates personal fulfillment while raising kids. Today, Momtography is taught both virtually by Barrow and live through in-person classes led by 12 licensed teachers across the United States. Barrow also offers small group and individual coaching for creative women who have interests beyond photography. Beryl and I talk about the way momtography has evolved as part of her business model, how she got the program ready for teacher training, the mindset shifts she needed to make to embrace her new business model, and the brand and quality standards she's devised for her licensees. Now, let's find out what works for Beryl Young. Beryl Young, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm excited to have you back, actually. So we'll make sure everyone has the links to the original interview that you did uh, when we were still Profit Power Pursuit. But now we're going to talk about what works and specifically what works in terms of licensing your signature work, which is the momtography course program workshop body of work. And we're going to learn all about that. But before we get to the licensing piece of it, why don't you tell us how momtography came to be? Yeah, so momtography was sort of the original thing in my business. And it's funny, the last time that I was on um, the podcast, Tara, like there were a lot of changes going on in my business. And I feel like a lot of changes have shifted <laughs> back yeah. to this original program. Um, but momtography, so backpedaling a little bit before montography even existed, I had a hobby and the hobby was photography because I wanted to learn to take good pictures before I had kids. So um, I was never that person that like carried a camera around with them all the time, but I, um, wedding photography was important to me. Like when my husband and I got married, that was like the single most expense I think that we spent on the wedding. And I always wanted nice pictures. And when I started to research pricing for newborn photos, and I knew this was before I was even pregnant, but I was like, oh, let me go look at newborn photographers. I was like, this is really pricey. And I don't know that I'm going to have the income to be able to pay for the newborn photographer that I would want to hire. So I set off on this mission to learn about my camera. And to make a, what could be a long story short, we um, lost our first daughter when I was 20 weeks pregnant. And that was really, really difficult. It was just when I had started to learn photography. 
I started a photo a day project to really start to learn my camera before I had kids. And instead of using this camera for something that was supposed to be happy and exciting, it quickly turned into something that became very therapeutic for me after the loss of our daughter. And so I started a blog and I call myself an accidental business owner because I never meant to start a business. I was a teacher full-time before making the shift to my entrepreneurial journey. And so I taught in elementary school and that was what I was going to do my whole life. And I was going through the motions. And so I started this blog on the side to really process these big emotions that I didn't really want to have to express when I was out in the real world, because I am an introvert. And (laughs) it was like, nope, don't want to talk to people about this. Um, And people read the blog. And so that blog slowly evolved into people asking me to take pictures for them. So I tested out the photography business. And that didn't work out so well for a variety of reasons that we don't need to get into on this episode. (laughs) Um, But I you know, had this light bulb moment. We fortunately got pregnant again rather quickly. I have a seven and a half year old daughter now who's amazing. And once she was born, I was like, I don't want to be trying this photography business thing anymore. Let me see if there's something else I can do. So when I was on maternity leave, I was like, oh, well, I enjoy teaching. I teach technology to teachers and a camera is just a big tech tool. So maybe after Christmas, I could try a class to see if, you know, moms who are like me that want to learn about their camera um, would come and kind of learn the ins and outs of DSLR photography. And so I reached out to a couple of local mom activity sites, and um, they were excited about it. And I decided to call the class Momtography, and that was back in 2010-2011. And in the first advertisement, this is back in the days when Facebook didn't work like Facebook does now. (laughs) Um, But I, there was like one Facebook post, and I had seven registrations in a day, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." I was like, "Hmm, this is working. Maybe I need to look at this as a business instead." And that is how it started. Yeah, that's how it came to be. Okay, awesome. So you mentioned that um, at different times, you've kind of moved away from momtography. And now you're kind of moving back to momtography. How has the role that the the momtography program played in your business model changed and evolved over the years? Can you kind of give us a, a quick history of the last what would, what would that be seven years? <laughs> yeah, seven years. Quick history of the last seven years. I think most of it has occurred over the last four years. So um, that initial momtography class was live. It was in person. It was in the Washington D.C. area. And um, as I started to think about how much I loved having my own business and how much I maybe did actually want to pivot out of being a teacher <laughs> for my entire life, I had to start thinking about scale and because my husband and I were equal wage earners. And it was like, well, I can't just leave one thing and come and stay home. I really had to think about how am I going to be able to make enough money to help support my family? And that became, oh, well... If I can tap into the World Wide Web and make this an online program, that would be helpful. And so Momtography Online was born. And that was the thing that allowed me to pivot out of working my day job and doing this business uh, full time. So now we have the Momtography Online program. We have um, the Momtography Live program. And um, I started to create a bunch of other photography classes, um, a, a lot of photography classes that I was also teaching 
and I got to this point where, you know, I was teaching montography all the time and feeling burnt out. But through these other courses that I was teaching, I started to get asked, well, how did you start your business? Can you coach me? And really found that I loved life coaching. Um, and so I was doing that and teaching montography, and that was very difficult. And I don't know, I don't know what, if this answers your question or not. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so it became this online thing. Um, and then I really had a moment where I was like, I think I want to pivot away from this. And last time I was on the podcast, I was in the process of pivoting right. away from it. <laughs> um, but it's always been the thing your podcast is called what works. It's always been the thing that works that yeah. people, you know, when, when I would meet with my life coaching clients, or I would meet with my creative clients, or I would teach my other classes, you'd think I would have taken a hint, but they were like, "Montography changed my life. It was the best thing that I've ever taken. It was great. And, but all I could think of was how burnt out I was from teaching it. Mm. I think this is a really common, um, problem as small businesses do look to scale, right? There's, there's the problem of like not being able to find the thing that works. And then there's the problem of finding the thing that does work, but either not quite realizing what you've got or two, just being so anxious to try something else, to move on, to add something else in, to make the numbers better, or maybe to even avoid the hard work of building the systems and the capacity and the audience that you would need to make this your one and only, um, that it, yeah, it can absolutely lead to burnout as an entrepreneur. I think it can also lead to burnout as like a customer and audience members as a sort of a brand as well. Yeah. And, you know, just as an aside, I know you love the Fascinate Advantage test. Mm -hmm. And I'm prestige and passion. And it was like really the passion part of me that would come out and be like, okay, you need to do something new. You want to do something yeah. new. Let's do something different. Like I have that creativity in my blood that constantly wants to be doing something a different way or trying something new. And yeah, there was this piece of like, well, I think it's time for me to move on where I really just had to sit with it. I think it's been about a two year journey of me sitting with all the pieces and knowing that I want to scale and not knowing how to put the pieces of me and what I want together with what's working and how to make it all enjoyable <laughs> for me along the way. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. All right. So can you tell us about maybe the moment you made the decision or the decision-making process that you had to put your focus again on momtography as the thing that was going to work for your business? Yeah. So um, I kind of tucked momtography away like, okay, I'm going to teach this less so I can move on and do more of these life coaching pieces. And I tried the community building model with my life coaching and that I wouldn't say it didn't work, but it didn't work how I wanted it to work. Mm -hmm. um, and so how, as I started sitting with all of that, I was kind of like, well, how can I combine what I'm doing with montography, what obviously works with the coaching piece that I love so much. And I actually was actually listening to one of your podcast episodes, Tara. It was um, the one about curvy yoga. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it. <laughs> I was like, I need to take this program and I can be the coach and mentor and leader of momtography, but I don't have to be the one teaching it if I'm willing to train other people and how to make it work in their cities and towns. 
Gotcha. Okay. So that leads me to what has become an incredibly popular question for me to ask people, (laughs) (laughs) which is about um, identity crises. Um, And I think yours if, if there was one, yours would be a little bit different. Where I generally see it cropping up is when people move from being either provider or creator to leader, mentor, <laughs> CEO. And I think that there's probably a correlation between you going from being the hands-on teacher, the person working with the moms, to being the person who was going to lead and organize and manage the people teaching the moms. Did you have any kind of identity crisis around that? Um, I think the identity crisis was the giving up control piece, Mm, giving up control of this program. That was my baby that I had worked and put blood, sweat and tears into to make turn to this job. And I'm like, can I trust other people with this? And it was a different like I, I had started building my team out over the last two or three years as well. And this felt totally different because I'm like, if somebody teaches this class in a way that is different than me or in a way that I don't agree with, or like, am I going to be able to take that manager CEO role and actually like apply it? <laughs> and yeah. can I let go of that control and actually allow this to happen and allow it to spread? Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. All right. So you t- you had this decision that you wanted to put the focus on momtography again. You wrestled with the idea that someone might be put a different spin on this or take the work and do it in a different way. And, and you wrestled with how you were going to handle it. Can you tell us what those first steps were that you took to finding the right person or people to teach this to uh, initially, and then how you broadened that out into a program from there? Yeah. So this is a great question. (laughs) Um, And the first step actually became, it actually came before I asked people if they were interested in this. The first step that I had to do was I had to take a really hard look at all the things I created because I was a creator and I created a lot of things. And I really had to look at like, okay, am I really placing all of my focus on montography? What do I need to let go of? I had to let go of a lot of things in order to make this a focus. So I made that decision first. Um, And then it really turned into an experiment last summer. I went into my momtography online alumni Facebook group. That's where I started with the people that took the online version of the program who loved it. And I just did a really like heart to heart Facebook post that was like, here's what I'm considering doing. And it would be a total beta launch this summer. Um, I haven't created any of the materials yet, but we're on the road to doing this. Are any of you interested? And I had posts that were like, this is great. Um, We're going to talk about trademarking. I think I mentioned that I was trademarking montography Mm -hmm. to my alums at that point. And somebody was like, well, it took you long enough to trademark the name. (laughs) And then I also had like 10 posts that were like, I'm interested, send me details. I'm interested, send me details. And I was just like that first class that I taught locally. I was like, oh, okay, this is working. (laughs) Um, And I had four women that were alums of my online class who went through the initial training cohort. And it was incredible. It was like having this built-in focus group who were so willing to soak it up and learn and try anything I told them. And so they were a big part in helping to frame out how the training details came together. 
Gotcha. So let's talk about the program itself or the workshop itself. What did you have to do to get the materials, the curriculum ready to actually teach to someone else? Um, the first step was hiring a lawyer <laughs> um, because I had not trademarked the name. And I knew if I was going to be starting to percolate this on more of a national level, that that was the first bow that I needed to tie up. And I also wanted to make sure that I had all my legal ducks in a row. And I wanted to speak to someone that um, had worked with other um licensing programs that could give me some guidance on like, this is what you should be requiring of these women. This is what your non-compete should look like. And so we, that was the first step to really get those legal ducks in order, the contract and the um, trademarking. And then from there, I really just had to start um, thinking through uh, my own journey as being a teacher. Like it was interesting to put what I learned as an educator into play with kind of creating this training program. And like, what did I learn going through my education classes that I want these women to know that maybe hadn't taught before? So there was some of the education side, a little bit on the marketing side. A lot of these women that went through my online class, they weren't photographers, they didn't have a business. So this was really basic level um, business building and and um, how to build a business type training as well. So that went into it too. Gotcha. Did you feel a burden around that? Like, did you feel the burden of making sure these people succeeded or were you able to kind of separate yourself from that? That's such a good question. And I think that's something that I am still struggling with mm. and still learning about because yes, um, as much as I had the sense, you know, when I was kind of um, sharing with them about the program and the possibilities and what had worked for me, I could make it really clear for them that like, I can't guarantee this success for you. You live in a different market, you live in a different area than me, you have a different network than me, you know, my hope is that it will work this way for you. And um, it's been a real test and trial to see, you know, it's been a little bit of a slower burn for these women. Um, because the landscape of social media has changed, the landscape of marketing has changed. If they are, a, a lot of the women that I work with have, um, and if they haven't built a business before, have a certain level of anxiety around putting mm -hmm. themselves out there in this way. And so that's what a lot of my coaching entails, which is what I love to do in the first place. Um, but there has to, there had to be this separation on my end too, to really take in their fears and concerns, but then be able to separate myself from it and be able to teach them too that success can be defined a lot of ways and that if they're going into this it has to be about the long game for them as well it can't be this like quick fix <laughs> yeah yeah I I love that you mentioned that you really had to reflect on what you learned about teaching in your own teaching journey yeah. and it sounds like you you experienced a similar thing with your business journey where you had to reflect on like, okay, what were the lessons that I learned? You know, how could things have gone differently for me? How can I help these people anticipate some of the problems that they're inevitably going to face? And I think that's probably really valuable for them, but probably extremely valuable for you too. Yes. And what's been a lot of fun, you know, one of our licensed teachers really struggled in the beginning and she 
was in a market that I was like, I am certain this is going to work for you. And she was doing all the things and checking all the boxes. And she felt like it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And she just reached out. She's teaching, I think, her third class um, in a couple weeks. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I have six people signed up and a bunch of strangers. And, you know, it's been this nice thing to have a community around this, too, because we do have a community where they can all interact together. And to have someone that's been going through training for about six months start to have these success stories, it allows our new teachers to feel really supported and like, oh, this can work for me, too. So that's been a lot of fun to watch unfold. That's so cool. Okay. Can you walk us through how the momtography teacher training actually works? What does the program look like? How long does it last? What do people get? Yeah. So when they sign up for the training, they initially sign up to do um, a four-month training program with me. I really wanted to walk them through a bunch of the like puzzle pieces to actually starting and marketing a business and making it work. So in their first four months, they learn the methodology, the mindset and the marketing around momtography. That's a lot of M's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we break it out into those three pieces because a lot of them are busy moms. It's four months so that we can have some break time and some processing time. They get to see, I did have, um, myself videotaped. I'd never had one of my local classes videotaped. So they came and video recorded the whole four hour thing. So they get to see that. Um, And so they're working pretty closely with me one-on-one as well. They get a couple of calls thrown in there. So they get to talk about their challenges and their struggles and things that they're facing as they're learning about um, how to teach the class. And then after that initial four months is over, they get a 12-month license. So I say that the full training and licensing program is actually 16 months that they're working with me. So the initial license is 12 months, and they get put into a community for that entire 16-month time frame. And so we have monthly themes and different masterclasses that I do. uh, And so they're getting this feedback and support, even though they're not working as closely with me after that initial um, four month stretch. And then each year after that initial 12 months, there's a re-up fee for them to continue. But I'm not taking any cut of their classes. I wanted to make it as simple as possible for them and for me. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. Um, So you kind of answered my next question, which was what kind of support do you provide outside of that initial training? So we've got that. Do you have any kind of continuing education component when they re-up? Um, not right now. A couple of things that we're thinking about adding, and this is where it's been interesting to bring people into the fold because I am getting more ideas and more suggestions than I ever thought possible (laughs) for my (laughs) programs and offerings. So in the future, we're going to have sub-certifications. I Mm. just decided because one shift that I see happening in the marketplace is that you know, montography initially started as a DSLR camera class, but not everybody is buying or using DSLR cameras anymore. So we are just starting the process of putting in a phone photography course track into our online program. And then all of our licensed teachers will have phone photography kind of included as a sub training that they can do. Um, And then in the future, we may do other sub certifications like a photo editing class or a photo printing class. But that's sort of the like five year plan (laughs) of what else we're going to happen. But if they re up, they still get to maintain their membership in that community. So they're still having that connection to their fellow licensees and to me. 
Gotcha. Well, in those sub-certifications, it sounds like those are in line with programs that you used to offer too. So it sounds like you have content built for that already. Yes. And it's just figuring out the like, like a lot of that was online content. So it's figuring out how to make it work in a live local capacity. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yes. Um, can, do you mind telling us how much the program costs? Because I think this is a tricky thing for people who are like, you're helping people build businesses, yes. but at the same time, it's a very consumer oriented market. And so I can imagine the pricing on this would be exceptionally challenging. It was exceptionally challenging, especially since I'm kind of putting my all into the coaching and mentoring piece too. But Mm -hmm. that was really important to me because I knew that there were people out there selling like um, templates for you to teach your own class. And the thing that I thought was missing was the training component. Um, So it's $4,500 for that initial four-month training and 12-month license. So that's 16 months. And so we break that out into payments for people. And then the re-up fee right now is $1,000 a year. Nice. Yeah. So that's- That's great. Yeah. That's where we've kind of gone with the pricing for now. But that was not an easy number (laughs) to land on. No. No. I mean, I don't even know where I would start. I'm sure I could reach a number, but I don't know where I would start. We kind of looked at- at um, what the cost for the program was, because we do put some requirements on our licensees around this is like the range of prices that you can Mm. offer this class for. And I wanted to make it realistic that they could recoup their investment in that first year. Brilliant. That's a perfect place to start. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Yeah. No, that was... I didn't want to necessarily promise that they would pull a profit. I think in a lot of businesses, there's a lot of expenses that go in in the beginning to making your business happen. And, you know, I would love for them to be able to pull a profit. That'd be amazing. But I wanted to kind of show a couple of options for if you sell this number of classes this way, this is how you're going to recoup your investment. So that's where we went with it. Brilliant. Okay. So you mentioned requirements. Um, What are the requirements of like... I guess, graduating the program. Does everyone graduate? Do they have to go through some sort of assessment? What does that process look like? Um, There's not really an assessment. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, no, it's them working with me. I mean, I feel like we haven't had an issue with this so far, but as long as they're kind of keeping their line of energy and submitting, you know, we do require a couple of video submissions and photo submissions and things like that. And so as long as those are consistently coming in and they're doing the work, then they graduate. We don't really have like a formal process. Their first class is their graduation. Um, So, you know, I guess you could kind of say as long as they're doing that process of scheduling their first class and working to book it out, then they get their license awarded to them. (laughs) Gotcha. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If, you know, if people are producing the work, they're going to get better at it. Right. And so there's going to be a level of, of skill and facility that they just acquire by actually doing the work, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which also then makes me wonder, are you vetting the people that you're taking on in some way? Yes. So, you know, we have found, I would say about 80% of our licensed teachers are graduates of my online program, which has been an interesting, like what works, I need to get more people into the online program (laughs) to get (laughs) more licensed teachers. Because I initially thought, and we haven't really tested this very much. I was like, oh, this would be a great you know, income source for photographers that Mm -hmm. want an extra, like they want to diversify their income. 
Um, but I'm finding that successful photographers like being behind the camera. They don't necessarily <laughs> want to be teaching. Um, so there's been a couple of photographers that have come in. Um, we do have an application process. So they have to kind of give that, like, why are you interested? What is your background? And they have to submit photo samples. Um, but And so I get on the phone and screen the applicants if it looks like they're a good match or a good fit. So that's pretty much what the vetting process looks like. Gotcha. All right, cool. Um, what kind of quality or brand standards do you have for when people are teaching the workshops? Um, that's a great question. And that's a work in progress too. I was glad that when um, we built out the licensing program, I had a designer on my team mm. because she really helped with figuring out what needs to be templated design wise. Um, and so, you know, our PowerPoint template, the presentation template, that is branded and templated, but the teachers can take my photos out of there <laughs> and input their own photos so they can tell their own stories while they're teaching. Um, a lot of the marketing materials are branded. Again, they can add their own photos, but we ask them to uh, stick to certain design standards and um, color standards. But along with that, if they are a professional photographer, like they can include their own logo. Um, all the teachers get a little spot, a page on our website. So people okay. are registering for their classes through our website. So we provide that for them. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And they have to have their own payment processor and such, but we are housing their registration page. Cause again, a lot of these women don't have a business and don't aspire to right. necessarily build out their own website. Um, but the ones that are photographers are kind of double dipping and they'll have the page on our website and a page on their own website. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else we give them that's that's what's coming top of mind right now yeah no that's so helpful I that's all brilliant I, I love the idea of making it so easy for someone to do it right right like yeah but it's it, also unraveled a lot of problems on our website as well you know it's like my teachers will come to me and be like oh well can they search by zip code or can they do this and that and the other and they're all great ideas and so me now as the leader CEO mindset has to go okay what needs to happen now and what can we push off a little bit further down the road? Cause it can't all happen at once. <laughs> totally. Well, that leads me brilliantly then into my final question for you, which is simply what's next for momtography? Um, growing right now. We have, <laughs> I know right now we have 12 licensed teachers. So it's still very nice. new within the last year, but yeah, no, it's been a great steady growth. My next goal is to get 50. I want one in every state. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. So that's the next goal. And to start building out these other local class options. Okay. Wait. So that's not my last question, because now that you said you want one in every state, are you limiting the number of people per location? Yes. Okay. So how does that work? Um, that was a tricky thing to come up with as well. And it's been like this whole process has been such a learning process because I was like, oh, it'll be fine. We won't get someone that wants to register nearby one of our other teachers. This will be easy. And we had one teacher register in Connecticut in the Hartford area. And then another person submitted an application about 16 miles away. And it oh, was, no. yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, can I do this? And so I talked to both of them. I had a, I had a really frank conversation and I said, I, I have, I'm going to make the final decision on this, but I want to hear your feedback <laughs> on yeah. what you would do. And so we have now set population guidelines. 
And ah. we don't do anything super like it's in our contract, but you know, we're kind of just using Google to look up population estimates. And um, cause it was really important to me that people didn't feel like they had another teacher stepping on their toes and in their marketplace. So it's a loose population geographic guideline. That makes complete sense. Cause I think, you know, maybe the area of greater Hartford could handle two teachers, but say the area of greater Lancaster, maybe not so much. You know? Correct. And so, yeah, that's why we decided, like, some people were like, should we use mileage? And I didn't want to do that because it just didn't seem like the right direction to go in. And I don't think there's any, like, one size fits all this will work for every location so I've just sort of I've been frank with my teachers and I've said if somebody wants to sign up close to your area I will let you know before that happens beautiful yeah yeah honesty and transparency probably always the best policy totally I agree (laughs) with you there always always awesome well Barrow Young this has been a fabulous conversation thank you so much for um really Uh, peeling back the layers on how you made the decision to license your work and the, the really the, the kind of nitty gritty process behind it. You really gave us a a look at what that licensing model looks like. And I'm very appreciative of that. Thank you for having me. This is great. Find out more about Beryl Young and momtography at recaptureself.com. What works is brought to you by co-commercial. Okay. So what exactly is co-commercial? CoCommercial is a social network, event producer, and support hub, especially for small business owners in the digital space. We know you want to turn the business you've started into something that will stand the test of time, provide for you and your family, and help your customers transform their lives or work. We connect you to people who get the obstacles you're facing as an entrepreneur. We produce events to educate, connect, and inspire you on your journey. We're a community of business owners who help you find creative solutions to your unique challenges without reinventing the wheel. Here's how it works. Step one, join CoCommercial. Step two, share a challenge, obstacle, question, or setback you're currently facing in your business. Step three, get personalized answers from a diverse community of experienced business owners. Step four, never waste time on Google or Facebook trying to find answers for your business again. We're not another online course. We're not a free group where you get lost in a sea of self-promotion. We're not a cut and paste template for doing business online. And we're not aiming to teach you a hundred new things you don't have time for. We're here to support you on your journey. We hope you get back on track and back to running, managing, and growing your business as quickly as possible. No fluff, just personalized, just-in-time answers to your biggest and smallest questions. Ready to give it a try? Request your invitation to the network today. Go to cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs, and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.